In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Priest, professor, and church historian, Jennifer Woodruff Tate, recalls an experience she had on an Ash Wednesday many years ago. I went out into the bright noon sunshine and got on the bus that would take me across campus to my next class. A young woman looked at me quizzically and said, I've seen a lot of people with those marks on their foreheads today. Is that some kind of sorority hazing thing? No, Woodruff Tate replied, it's a church thing. The imposition of ashes is indeed a church thing, a Christian thing. It's how millions of Christians from all around the world mark the start of the 40-day season of Lent. A season when you and I are invited, as the Book of Common Prayer tells us, to give time to self-examination, prayer, fasting, and self-denial. It's also a season for, and this is something we are stressing at St. John's this Lent, reading and meditating on God's holy word. In today's Old Testament lesson, the prophet Joel challenges his listeners to return to God. Quote, Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. End of quote. The historical setting for the book of Joel, uh, believe it or not, was an invasion of locusts, grasshoppers that devastated the land, destroyed the crops, and ruined the economy. Apparently locusts aren't always good things. Uh, Who knew? Sorry, St. John the Baptist. Did the people respond to the prophet Joel's message? They did. And actually in the Old Testament, usually the people ignore the prophet of God and they keep carrying on doing what they wanted to do. But in this case, the people respond and they repented and they returned to the Lord. In today's lesson from Psalm 103, also from the Old Testament, we hear again, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, so to anger and of great kindness. Today's New Testament lesson from 2 Corinthians, the great missionary apostle, St. Paul, is urging his congregation, quote, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. End of quote. And finally, in St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus, in a selection from the Sermon on the Mount, warns his listeners about the dangers of false piety. And Jesus says, Store up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, There 
your heart will be also. These four lessons roll together like dough, rise to reveal the bread-like invitation of Lent. An invitation that says the following things. Return to God. Take a hard look at your heart. Take a long look into your life. Let God clean up your life. Scrub out the stuff that is second rate. Trust in God's mercy. No matter what you've done or what you failed to do. Focus on the true treasures. The people and the things that lead to happiness and gratitude. Don't settle for all the shiny garbage, the fool's gold that's offered everywhere. Have you been doing that? Settling for the shiny garbage of life? I know all too often I have. Have you noticed on Sundays that usually our services include four Bible lessons? Have you noticed? We we call them lessons because we're listening to them for instruction about our daily lives. Now, maybe you don't do that. Maybe you drift off into la-la land when the lessons are read. Now, we all do that sometimes, even me. But if you're regularly not paying attention to the lessons being proclaimed, you're missing part of the point of why we're here. We don't just read them to read them. We proclaim them as sources of wisdom that have guided humans for over 2,000 years. Why would you ignore that wisdom for your life? So listen to the lessons carefully. God may speak to you, to your heart, to your mind, to your life situation through them. Meditating on scripture is a lot like eating. Eating makes me think of locusts. Well, anyway, uh, do you remember every meal that you've ever had? No, but the good meals nourished you. They gave you life. Scripture works the same. You may not remember every passage you've read or listened to, but each passage over time nourishes your spirit and gives you life. If you stop eating healthy meals, might that eventually catch up with your physical well-being? Yes, And if you stop meditating, carefully reading over scripture, might that eventually affect your spiritual well-being? What did Jesus say? One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Why four lessons? That's a lot of lessons. That's a lot of scripture. More than a lot of so-called churches that say they're Bible churches. We have a lot of scripture. Well, four lessons offers you a wide variety from the spiritual food groups of the Bible. Two lessons from the Old Testament. Today, that's Joel and Psalm 103. And two lessons from the New Testament. Today, that's 2 Corinthians and Matthew. Episcopalians, like the majority, the majority of Christians in the world, follow a schedule of Bible readings called a lectionary. And this lectionary cycle of Scripture makes sure we're not just reading our favorite passages or passages that we're very familiar with, but that we read and hear passages that we don't even know. We're like, what is that? I know that was in the Bible. And also passages that challenge us. Maybe even make us a bit uncomfortable. It's worth pondering each lesson, each reading carefully every Sunday or any time of your worship, including like right now. Oh, have you noticed that some preachers sometimes comment on all four lessons? And sometimes a preacher will just comment on one of the readings, often the gospel lesson. Have you noticed? There are good reasons for both approaches. But this Lent, we're going to give attention to all four lessons every Sunday. Lent is not a hazing thing done by sororities. Lent is a holy thing. A holy season that invites you, with God's help, to become holy. Now listen, becoming holy does not mean be becoming weird, over-the-top religious people. Becoming holy does mean becoming whole, healed, healthy people who are well-nourished, body, mind, and spirit. Holiness. It means becoming the kind of person who gives their attention to the most important things, the most important people. The most important people in your life, the kind of people we should all be paying attention to. Now, if you want to know what the most important things are in your life at any time, at any stage, 15, 55, 105, All you have to do, it's a simple exercise that works pretty much every stage of life. You just need to remember the words of Ash Wednesday. Reflect on them, and it will reveal to you what really is important in life and in your life. What are those words? Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Whether you have days to live or decades to live, these will remind you of the most important things, the most important people in your life. And folks, that's what you should organize your life, your energy, your best time and attention around. Those important things, those important people, not the shiny garbage that is offered to us all the time, everywhere.
Our liturgy, our services, are meant to be lived. What we do in worship, you are invited to live every day. What we do in worship, you're invited to live every day. A disciple is a person trying to do that, trying to live out the liturgy every day. The invitation of Lent is to let God clean up your life and to use these 40 days ahead toward Easter to recalibrate your life, to get back on track with the most important things. And most of us have gotten off track with the most important things. In some way, maybe small, maybe large. I know I have. So together, let us repent and return to the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.